Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult Welcome back. Recovery sort of. That's who we are. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. And my name's Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And you just heard the sweet sounds of Jimmy's Chicken Shack, which I don't mention often enough. (laughs) But thanks again for letting us use your music. So it was funny after our, our last episode on internet addiction and technology and smartphone addiction, I was like, oh, man, I really, really want to get somebody from this mode of recovery on here to talk to us. I figure we would learn a lot about it from that aspect instead of just talking about if we struggle with it. And I couldn't find anybody. (laughs) No one. Well, I kind of realized the irony that I went online to look for them. Yeah, they would have to be (laughs) on. Like, they're not going to be there. And I just found that They should probably be avoiding social media. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't find many of them. There are actually some online sites for them. There's a spot on Reddit. But it was just, it made me laugh to myself that I looked for technology-addicted people online (laughs) who hopefully aren't there because they've found some cure. That means they relapsed. Right. Find all the relapsers. (laughs) Also had Kim let me know that for teachers, talking about our ACEs score, going back to that, teachers look at the ACEs score as anything four or above is high risk for student. Um, So that was an interesting information because we were talking about how just one of those ACEs responses can increase your risk drastically. And so to think that they're only addressing people who have four or more is like, wow, you're right. missing half these people that are struggling. Right, which is probably like 70% of the kids in there. Right, I've right. had one or more. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It might not be everybody. I haven't found any of the liars yet. None of them have reached <laughs> out to me to say they have zero ACEs. So today we want to talk about open-mindedness. And this came to me because I think it's an area I struggle in at times. And what happens is... I consider myself a free thinker, right? A lot of times our view of ourselves isn't necessarily accurate all the time, or at least not 100% accurate. And so I have these beliefs and ideals that are outside the box. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm this free thinker. And maybe the solution to drug addiction is that we give drugs to everybody for free who wants them and have a look like all these crazy ideas, right? Which may or may not work, but let's try anything, right? Let's throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. And so because I'm a free thinker, I get lulled into this idea and belief that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm super open-minded. <laughs> and when I really look at it, it's kind of like when we had that episode about honesty, right? Like if I really start examining it, there's probably some places I'm not so open-minded. And I run into these when I'm unwilling to hear some other arguments that are outside of my box, right? They just rile up so much passion or anger or frustration in me that I don't have the ability to see a different side or to see that there might be relevance to a different side. And so, okay, 
honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness we talk about with these three, we're well on our way, right? Like these are the three fundamental spiritual principles. And so I was like, well, if I'm struggling with one of them, even in some areas, maybe this is something worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. And like all these spiritual principles, I don't think there's any of them, not a one that I am perfect at. I struggle in one way or another with all of them. I mean, if I was at my ideal state filled with God in all areas of my life, (laughs) then maybe. But right now, no, I still struggle with different ones at different levels. And I'm constantly working and looking at areas where I need improvement. Like that's the, for me, the purpose of ongoing recovery is to continue to look at areas that I fall short, areas where I need to develop, areas where I'm struggling, and to try to apply these principles in those areas. Yeah, it's super tricky. So I just figured we'd start right off with the definition. The first definition of open-mindedness is receptive to arguments or ideas. Hmm. And I've never really thought about it like that, right? (laughs) I think of open-mindedness as receptive to ideas or open that other ideas might be true. But I've never really considered open-mindedness as the idea that I'm inviting arguments in. (laughs) I I can't wait till people argue with me. Like, that doesn't sound fun. Huh. And I tend to be a person who likes to debate about things. One of the things I've found fascinating about myself, and this is definitely more later in recovery. It was not early in recovery. Early in recovery or early in my life before I found recovery, there was a sense of need to be right. Like Mm. I felt like I needed to argue to be right. I'm sure that has a lot to do with low self-esteem or low self-worth or, you know, whatever. But now I tend to, for most ideas, I mean, obviously there's some ideas that I hold pretty strong. There's some morals and values that will rile up emotion. But like you and I were having a conversation earlier about some things on race and different subjects. And I will be open to express my opinion, but I'm totally not 100% married to any idea where I feel like I need to go argue and fist fight about it in the street. Like, you know, it's like I want to be willing to listen to other ideas, willing to consider other points of view, because I don't know everything. So I believe I don't know anything either, or not, I don't know everything either. I'm I'm totally of that belief. Uh, <laughs> my wife would tell you that doesn't show very often in my attitude. <laughs> and I would say, I, I think my problem is I like debates, and I like to play devil's advocate, and I like to consider things from different sides, but generally... In the long run, I'm really hoping to convert people to my belief. I'm not so much ready to convert. Not that I won't change my mind or opinions about things when I see fit, but it's just few and far between because I guess I kind of feel like I've already put a lot of thought into a lot of subjects, and so there's not a whole lot more you can say to make me think differently about it. Yeah, and for myself, I could say I recognize a lot of times in the moment of a discussion I will tend to be married more to an idea than I might later on. Like, and my wife and I get into this kind of argument a lot. You know, we'll get into a discussion or an argument about something and, and I'll walk away from that. And then like two days later, I'll bring it back up and be like, yeah, I see what you were saying. I understand now. I'm willing to look at that a little differently. In the moment, I was defensive of my ideas and kind of stuck, but I was able to kind of let go of that emotion outside of that immediate interaction and 
think about it a little more, maybe research it a little more and come to a different conclusion maybe a day or two later. It's funny because besides all the emotions that can get in the way of thinking clearly in the middle of any kind of debate or argument, there's also this concept of just regression to the mean, which works both ways. <laughs> if I say something way out on the right, you're going to say something back closer to center, right? But the further I get out, it's almost like the further you have to go the other way. And so in the midst of a debate with someone, it's harder to see their side of it because the more they push left or right or up or down, you're going to push equally and opposite in the other direction and stand firm in order to create that average in between you two. Yeah, and the dialogue, I think, in some of those conversations matters. You know, I can get into a conversation with someone at work and then I can see it starting to veer into a place where it's going to start to get argumentative. Mm. And for me personally, I'll usually find a nice subtle way to kind of bow out of that conversation because I don't need to convince them of anything they don't want to know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, right. So just some facts about open-mindedness that we might not be aware of. I mean, we talk about open-mindedness in our program, like, oh yeah, it's a spiritual principle. It's just one of them things you do. But you know, this is a principle in the world too. We don't have a monopoly on spiritual principles and it's more than just a spiritual principle. It's a likable attribute in people. It's something we believe if you had people list like qualities of good leaders, open-mindedness is usually one of them. Now, what we don't realize is we'll say open-mindedness is important, but then we also hold these other principles and leaders like steadfastness and the need to be right Resolve. and you know, <laughs> sureness and all this stuff. And those are in complete opposition to open-mindedness. They leave no room to admit being wrong. They leave no room to change your opinion or stance on anything. Those are, I'm going down with the ship type ideals. Yeah. And so it's weird that we kind of give credit to both of these opposing things as being important. Some other things I learned through reading that many people are closed to the possibility that they're closed-minded. <laughs> Shocking, right? <laughs> so basically, if you're closed-minded, you don't think you are. You don't even know it. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like living in denial yeah. instantly because you're closed off to the idea that you're closed off and you think you've explored all these other options, even though really you've just kind of comfortably nested into one option and you don't want to explore anymore. Yeah. And I guess you could say with open-mindedness, there's a, I guess the opposite of the closed-mindedness thing is like if you're too open-minded, then you're never making any decisions about things, you know? Like for me, I was thinking specifically of recovery. Like I had to make a pretty steadfast commitment. Like I'm not going to use drugs no matter what. Mm. And I didn't need to be open-minded to the idea that I might possibly be able to use. I needed to fucking admit that I can't use, you know, or I'm not going to use. So it's, I think open-mindedness isn't necessarily applicable to every area of our life all the time. <laughs> yeah, so what I was reading talked a lot about the idea that open-mindedness is just the willingness to perceive these other stances and understand them and give them value, not so much that we really need to change our mind about where we stand at any point in time. Not sure how that would apply to that. That is an interesting thought. Like, So I guess I could be open to the idea that some people could use or open to the idea that Maybe under the right set of circumstances, maybe with the right amount of therapy and self-healing and step work, maybe I can be the guy who just drinks a couple beers for fun, even though I still don't believe in that concept. Yeah, right. I, doesn't mean I have to do it. 
but I guess that could huh. get really tricky early on. Oh, if I'm early in recovery, yeah. yeah. If somebody would have told oh, me man. that I could use some psychedelics for my mental right. health or whatever, I'd have been all in. <laughs> like, that, that, oh yeah, I think I'm going to go the psychedelics <laughs> route. Yeah. The wave of the future, <laughs> right. and I think that's the argument and the stance people feel about Suboxone a lot. Yeah. You know, oh, this seems like an easier route. I'll definitely go that route, and we right. don't want that, so we say no Suboxone. Yeah. Another concept that came about is that people generally through research we realize that people consider those who disagree with them as being close-minded <laughs> <laughs> which is another interesting thing right like so we're definitely open-minded we're close to the idea that we're close-minded even if we are and then anybody who agrees with something other than what we think is the close-minded one not us yeah that's kind of huh. crazy so it's, it's almost like a cycle or a feedback loop that feeds us into the idea that we're open thinkers even though really we're only believing what we believe and everybody else is the ones who don't have the ability to see that <laughs> yeah just in that context the feedback loop kind of thing brought me back to the documentary the social dilemma that we talked about in the podcast last week and the idea that if you're only getting your information from like a certain source or a certain echo chamber mm -hmm. that you know, you can think that you're totally open minded because all the information that you have is coming from one specific point of view. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it, it actually talks about some of that later on in some of the research I was reading. So most people overestimate themselves. That's what we found out through research. Ninety five percent of people rated themselves as more open minded than average, which is impossible <laughs> for <laughs> right. ninety five out of 100 <laughs> right, people. Yeah. Because average, obviously, is where most people are going to be. There's the bell curve. You know, most people are near the center of that. And so there's actually only like 10% of people on either side of that that are going to be outside the curve. And so most people are not above average. Yeah, and hilarious because, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm way more open-minded than the average person. <laughs> I thought the same thing for sure. And again, I think that's how I kind of have lulled myself into the belief that I'm like really open-minded, right? And maybe I'm not. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. How do we attack open-mindedness and view it? Yeah, so basically, here's the rundown. 95% of people think they're more open-minded than average. So if you do, you are probably average like us. <laughs> <laughs> and if we are closed-minded, we're close to the idea that we are closed-minded. So maybe we need to try to think about that a little more and consider right. it. And it's not just everybody that disagrees with us that is closed-minded. <laughs> it might also be us. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. So they did an experiment where they put a green lens on people's one eye and a red lens on people's other eye. And basically what most people do is they got to flip back and forth. They can only see the world in green or red. They can't find a way to combine those two. Hmm. But they found that people that scored high on open-mindedness tests were able to merge the pictures wow. of green and red. And it was only one small study, and, and, you know, it doesn't prove anything from one study. But it was just an interesting idea that we struggle to see the world. Like, our entire concept of our brain is to make things that we find, any new information, fit in with what we already know. And so this does not help our open-mindedness at all. Our brain is already against us. It's telling us that anything we find out has got to fit into our worldview, which we call a schema, right? Our core beliefs, not that we need to change or alter our schema to see the world differently now that we've been presented new information. And so this works against us completely. So we're constantly, our brain is telling us to be closed-minded. It's telling us to fit everything in our box of understanding as opposed to 
the huge alterations it, it takes to change our, our core belief system. That's a lot. Yeah, and of course now I'm going to go on to try to defend how open-minded I am because I don't want to be average. I want to be better than average. But interestingly enough, uh, along that idea, like I was just telling someone the other day, I'm a person that if I'm at home watching things on television, I will watch all sorts of documentaries, but I'll pick like random-ass documentaries that have nothing to do with things that I'm interested in at all. Like I just, <laughs> as I'm flipping through, I'm like, huh, that could be interesting. And I just turn it on and, and watch. And I'm going to say, I think that sort of practice has helped me to become open-minded. Mm. I don't think it proves that I'm open-minded. Actually, right. I think that doing that has helped me to become open-minded because things that I think I know or stories that I tell myself in my head that I learned in school or I heard somewhere one time, you know, those things, you can tend to see how little pieces of that information are wrong the more mm. you experience life. And by recognizing all these different areas where I realize my thinking's wrong, you know, really? it helps me to sort of recognize that any idea that I feel like I'm 100% right about is probably not accurate. <laughs> oh my God. I need to go home and just apologize to people all day. <laughs> so they've linked open-mindedness with another concept of intellectual humility. This is what they kind of have narrowed down mostly what open-mindedness is in the scientific community. And this consists of four qualities. Quality one, having respect for other viewpoints. Quality two, not being intellectually overconfident. Number three, separating one's ego from one's intellect. And number four, willingness to revise one's own viewpoint. And those things sum up intellectual humility. And those are tough concepts. True. Like yeah. I was I got a zero on yeah. that score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do much better, that's for sure. <laughs> and so they talked about the things that can hinder open mindedness, right? First one is confirmation bias. This mm -hmm. is the tendency to obtain or evaluate new information in a way that is consistent with our own personal beliefs, which we already kind of explored just a little bit. The second one is knowledge bias, which is the tendency to assume that others have the same background knowledge as you. For instance, we talked about ACEs a couple weeks ago, and I just kind of assume everybody knows this shit by this point because I learned it in my schooling and through going to therapy and all this stuff. And to talk to people who listen to the episode, most of them have never heard of it. So right. if I'm in a conversation or a debate assuming that these people already know about ACEs, and I'm debating about the right way to raise children with somebody and they're saying we should spank them or do this or that or these things didn't hurt them when they were growing up. And if I already assume they have that information, we're already closed minded to each other's ideas because they don't even have the information I think they have. Right. Or even cultural experiences, you know, having yeah. having different cultural experiences can make a huge difference on, you know, our viewpoints of certain things, guns or killing or hunting or whatever it's like we can have all these different the way that we're raised or the environment that we're raised in will affect how we view certain concepts absolutely and that's where most of our worldview comes from is from you know the way we're raised the environment around us our parents and the last one goes back to what you were talking about with the echo chambers and it's false consensus bias and it's the tendency to think that people hold the same beliefs as you and that's what we do when we stick ourselves in these social media echo chambers. I think now a lot of people with one belief are, are leaving a lot of the 
so-called mainstream social medias to go to a parlor or something like that. And mm. it's only going to increase the division uh, and increase the closed-mindedness, according to this, because it's going to be more false consensus bias that we think everyone around us believes the same. And look, this is why for a long time I didn't want to delete or mute anybody on Facebook because I, I want to know other sides of things. I don't want to be stuck in the echo chamber of only hearing people that agree with me and never understanding where the other people are coming from. And yet at some point I felt forced to not see some of that on a daily basis because it was just too much for me, it's too much for my emotional state. And so it's like, where's the health in the emotional state versus still maintaining a level of not only hearing your opinion thrown back at you and thinking everybody believes that? Yeah. And for me, the, I would say avoidance now of social media comes down to, and maybe this is, this is going to probably sound super close minded, but I don't think that everybody with a Facebook page is an expert on every fucking thing. So, mm. and this goes back to the thing I scored zero on. I mean, not that I don't think everyone's entitled to an opinion or that it matters, but they don't all hold the same weight for me. Right. Some Joe Schmo on the internet's opinion of, you know, addiction treatment doesn't mean shit to me if they haven't ever experienced it or been through addiction or whatever, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, you know, that kind of shit. It's like, well, what are you basing that on? Right. What, you know, and, and does that idea, I mean, yeah, I get that. I understand some people feel that way and I can appreciate that's their sentiment, but I don't think that has to hold very much weight or credibility in my mental scheme <laughs> no but i i think the open-mindedness is just the ability to hear that and not be so offended that we have to remove them mm. or remove ourselves as you've chosen to do which is kind of like removing everyone yeah and now your echo chamber is not just people who agree with you it's you <laughs> <laughs> which is a little I, i'm not saying it's right for you to be on facebook that's the question though is yeah. like where do i look out for my mental health by not seeing these things at the same time how much of a box am I sticking myself in to be closed-minded by not being able to? And that's where this whole episode is coming from. For me, it's I'm getting frustrated by some differing opinions instead of being able to step back from them. And so, like, how do we do that in a positive way is where we're at. Huh. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Okay, so we're going to take a test, an open-mindedness test to see okay. where we're at. And this is a test on psychology today. If you'd like to play along at home, there's going to be 10 questions. You're going to write A, B, or C as your answers. And then at the end, we'll go through the scoring of it. So question one, imagine your local online newspaper is offering you the chance to lunch with and interview with a famous dictator known for his mistreatment of women. Do you A, turn down the assignment? You could never feel comfortable talking with him. B, Accept it. It's a great chance to learn something about how a dictator's mind works. C, maybe if you don't have to eat with him, which feels like you'd be approving of him. Question two. 
You've decided it would be good to spend time volunteering. But where? Do you A, you've always loved arts and crafts, you decide to get an arts class going for some needy kids. B, your friend is involved in an anti-litter campaign, you pick up trash with her on a Saturday morning. Or C, you've always felt a little awkward around those in wheelchairs, you ask to help out at a local rehab facility. Number three, you're asked to play the part of a porpoise in a school play. A. What fun. The idea intrigues you. You immediately try to think like a sea creature. B. No way. You hold out for the leading lady, the part you'd prepared for. Or C. You'll do it only if everyone else plays animals too. Number four. You're on your way to an interview for a part-time job at the far end of your city. A. You leave yourself plenty of time to take a new route. Getting a little lost can be so refreshing. B. You take the same route you've been traveling since forever. C. You notice a neat new jewelry shop on your way and make a mental note to visit it soon. 5. Good pals are dropping over on Friday night and you've promised to feed them. A. You follow a familiar recipe exactly. B. You make something tried and true but think, what would happen if I added a pinch of cilantro? C. You try fixing a new dish. What are friends for if not to experiment on? 6. You visit a new art museum where some of the paintings are offbeat and even off-putting. A. You rush by the weirder paintings, asking yourself, what the heck was that artist thinking? B. You spend extra time before the odder ones, thinking, hmm, I wonder what the artist was trying to get across here. C. You decide to go home and catch up on your TVOD shows. 7. A foreign-looking woman shows up at your library's book club. Her bright red, curvy fingernails are at least two inches long. A. You immediately decide she's a bimbo and pay her no attention. B. You ask around to find out if that's the style where she comes from. C. You listen closely when she talks. She could be bright and fun, even if she's quirky. 8. Your brother presents you with an oak shelf he made himself. A. You shove it in the closet. You have absolutely no use for such a thing. B. You ask his help to put it on a door. It's the perfect size for draping extra belts over. Or C. You discover it stands up, you place it on your dresser, and you use it as a greeting card display. 9. It's family vacation time, but money is short. A. You suggest the entire family get to know each other better by visiting local spots this year. B. You vote for fundraising and suggest having a huge family garage sale. C. You tell everyone they should have planned the budget better. And 10. You watch the film with an uncertain ending. Maybe the heroine marries the guy, or else she might go off on her own. A. You have no trouble figuring out the ending that feels right. B. You'll probably come up with even more possible endings as you mull the story over later. C. How frustrating. Why don't they just tell you how the story turns out and be done with it? Okay, so to score this, for question one, A is worth one point, B is worth three points, C is worth two points. Question two, A is worth two points, B is worth one point, C is worth three points. Question three, A is worth three points, B is worth one point, C is worth two points. Question four, A is three, B is one, C is two. Question five, A is one, B is two, C is three. 6, A is 2, B is 3, C is 1, 7, 
A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, 8, A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, 9, A is 3, B is 2, C is 1, and 10, A is 2, B is 3, C is 1. Some of those I wanted to answer what I thought the right answer should be, even though it was not what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I found some of them pretty interesting. So if you scored a 22 through 30, you are a mental adventurer, mm. which means you are very open-minded, I guess. If you are 16 to 21, it says you are half mindful. And then if you are 10 to 15, you are a rut stucker. And I was at a 20. Oh, I was at 17. Okay, so we're we're half open-minded. What did you find interesting about some of them? I definitely, I think number 10 intrigued me a little bit with the question about the film and the uncertain ending, the, the cliffhanger uh, yeah. ending. <laughs> I have always argued against this. Like when I watch a movie and it leaves me with no absolute ending, I'm frustrated and angry. And I'm like, I want Hollywood to tell me, like, you're here to entertain me. Don't make me think. I could have thought of this all on my own. Right. And I similarly felt the same way about the art one, about art paintings that you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I am not a big art fan. Like, to me, I'm totally into realism. And same with movies. Like, I want it to have a beginning, middle, end. I need mm -hmm. it to be. And maybe that makes me close-minded. I don't know, but yeah. Well, one thing I've noticed over time is that, the, honestly, the ending that doesn't give you an ending is probably the best movie ending because it seems like when they try to put an end on a great movie or a great TV show, Game of Thrones comes to mind, it mm -hmm. just sucks. Like, the endings are hard to do <laughs> yeah. because not everybody's happy That's with That's why it. they leave them open because yeah, they're hard to do I, well. I mean, I, I've never been disappointed with an open ending in the sense that it was terrible. Well, most of the time, if they're too open-ended, I just chalk it up to, oh, they just want to try to do a sequel if it's successful. Like, <laughs> they don't want to end the story in case it's popular. <laughs> the art one threw me off because I was like, I wouldn't know that it was edgy or odd anyway. I yeah, would right. just stand there and look at it the way I'd look at all the art. Who I goes to a museum? Yeah. <laughs> I think I did one time, but I didn't understand any of it. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's cool looking. I think the first one was really interesting, too, the idea of the... You know, you get to go interview a dictator who apparently has some mm. biases against certain types of people. What do you do? What did you come up with there? Oh, I would definitely do it. You I think it'd be fascinating. Yeah, I like talking to people with different points of view and different opinions. I mean. I put that. It was a tough one, though. I thought maybe I would, like, do the not eating with him because I didn't want to associate with him. Yeah. To some extent, but. Huh. No, I wouldn't care at all about that part. I mean, you know, I, just because I talk to someone or ask them about their ideas doesn't mean I need to believe them. And that's a good sign of open mindedness, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I hope so. Or or being <laughs> awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what that test proves. I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it's a good idea that we test ourselves. There's a lot of other tests out there, like you mentioned before. A lot of them you got to sign up with your email to get a result, and they want to lure you in to right. you know, sell you something. Probably. An open-mindedness book. <laughs> yeah, they want to sell you a pamphlet on how to be more open-minded. A website um, that can open your mind. <laughs> it just it made me realize that, like, obviously, I'm, I'm not above average. I was right in the middle average pack of open-mindedness. I found it interesting. I had five threes, so I had five on the open-minded end of the spectrum, and then five ones. I had no twos. I was not in the middle of any. I had three threes and one two. 
Interesting. So which ones were your threes? One, three, six, seven, eight. Mine was one, three, and seven. So one was the dictator one. Mm-hmm. Three was playing a porpoise. Oh, okay. I, and... Fuck yeah. I'm yeah. porpoise it up all day. <laughs> and then seven. A six was the art museum. Seven oh. was the foreign looking woman at the library's book club. Oh, yeah, because I like people. I think people are fascinating. Oh, yeah. Me, so, yeah. Oh, and I always think that interesting people, look, there are times they have really outlandish views, but they also usually bring something interesting. And I'm like, hmm, maybe there is something to be gained from some outside the box look at things. Oh, yeah. And people having different perspectives on things helps us to come up with solutions we might not have or or look at things in ways that we wouldn't normally like that's so helpful and i think that's where a lot of struggle with my open-mindedness comes into is it's not that these people that think differently than me are really thinking outside of the box i think that's my problem right i'm open to outside the box ideas but what i feel like is we have a box divided into two and i'm just here in this other half of the box all the time that's spouting off the same ideas it's not like they're different or new ideas. Yeah, they're clearly on an opposite side of the box than you. Not yeah, <laughs> it's like you're not outside the box. You're not giving me something fresh and new and interesting to consider. You're trying to feed me the same old stuff mm. I've already considered and thought about and don't think much of. Yeah, and I, I, I do think it's important for us, though, to have certain ideas that we do hold a high value on. I mean, those are the ones that I would tend to argue a little stronger for or against, you know, we've talked about sponsorship on here and, and that's one of the reasons I tend to be fairly open-minded on sponsorship, you know, let people find their own way and figure out what works for them. But there are a few things that I think are important. I mean, if I have sponsees that are like, I don't really think meetings are important or I don't think step work's important. Like I don't know that I could just be like, oh, whatever, that's okay. Like, I would be like, no, you're setting yourself up for fucking failure. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I I know, so I guess I realize I cannot convince them or change their mind, but it doesn't also mean that I want to co-sign that or be like, yeah, that's a completely healthy way to look at this. <laughs> it's just so interesting, I guess, because a lot of open-mindedness, I think, we need to understand revolves around just the idea that there's, you know, not one right or wrong, but that people look at the same exact situation and from their core view of the world, from their schema, from their different upbringings, they're seeing two totally different things. Right. And so the open mindedness comes in, not just to understand that these people have a difference of opinion. It's also what they're seeing is real to them just as much as what I'm seeing is real to me. And we have this one sense of reality and truth as if it exists in a bubble and there's one little singular way to do it. And there's just not, I think the more we're learning reality and truth are very much perceptions and subjective to our own thinking. And I think though, where I have to be on guard is where that open-mindedness can lead me personally to a dangerous place you know like for example in recovery language like i understand that there are many pathways for recovery and and people do things a little differently and other things can work but for me personally i it's incredibly important that i hold pretty steadfast to the path that i've chosen like the risk isn't worth exploring other options you know and i don't know maybe that's not healthy but i feel like i am committed to the path that i've chosen 
that's what I think works. And these other paths can work for other people, but they're not good for me. Do you think your recovery would fall apart without NA? Is that what you're alluding to? I don't necessarily know that I would use, if that's what you mean by my recovery fall apart, I think I would struggle in my personal growth or personal reflection or areas of my life that I'm trying to improve in if I went with some other recovery pathways. And I I would say more like the 12 steps in general. Like I don't know that a maintenance program would give me the same growth or personal spiritual experience that I've gained through the steps. Hmm. Yeah, there's not another one that I can picture that would give me what I feel like I've gained out of this process. Yeah, I don't know. I I tend to believe, at least at this stage of my life, which is always subject to revision, (laughs) as we know, I could probably not attend NA and not really miss out on much that I gain now. I think. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, but that's, I'm not saying that I would leave NA and do nothing. I mean, I would still do a recovery-based podcast where at least once a week I'm having a three-hour conversation with a fellow person in recovery where we talk about (laughs) things that matter to us. I would stay in touch with at least three people on a regular basis that I talk to where we talk about recovery and our spiritual and emotional well-being, right? So this is like stuff I would still be doing on a weekly basis. I would still be reading recovery-minded literature. I would still be listening to recovery and self-help type audio books and i would still be seeing a therapist Hmm. so i just i mean that's really what sums up my recovery today hitting my na meeting each week doesn't yeah i go it's cool i hear some stuff i don't know that i would miss much not going yeah so i guess i'm thinking of that as the other uh, like i'm thinking from the beginning so I, i think the work that i've done i've gained a lot of things now but in the beginning of my recovery if i had went and explored some other pathways. I'm not Mm. saying I couldn't have stayed clean or off of drugs or had some version of recovery. I just don't think it would have given me what I have now. Oh, My life would have been very different. And if I'm just being honest, I feel like this has been the best choice for me to give me the life that I want. No doubt. Um, And that, again, I don't mean that to be judgmental against other people's choices or pathways or whatever. And maybe that's egotistical to say, like all those other ones have some flaws in them that won't give me, you know, what I what I really needed, which was here, you know, which right. is just a what's that confirmation bias? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I needed this program to get me to this point. There's no doubt in my mind. And I don't have any intention of leaving the program like I want to stay around to give back what was given to me. And I do still get something out of it. Like, I feel like if I didn't go there, I would have to go somewhere else similar like a support group somewhere to talk about something right but yeah it definitely gave me the foundational basis i needed it gave me the group of people doing similar things it gave me a whole lot of stuff i needed early on to get to this point i was just thinking at this point like i don't know i could probably do other stuff that's similar yeah so and i guess where i was headed with that was the idea that is there a time that open-mindedness can be dangerous for us i mean the the reason i think at least for myself, like I'm open-minded in certain areas, but I recognize that I'm way more closed-minded in others. For example, I'm a pretty, I would say, left-of-center person on most of my beliefs and values, and I will tend to be a little argumentative and defensive about some of those points of view. Not that I don't listen to other people, but I think there's a serious consequence that comes along with 
some of the other points of view. <laughs> you know, like there's consequences that matter in some of this stuff. I mean, if we're just debating about spiritual principles and things like that, fine, whatever. The consequences are way less drastic. But when we talk about public policy or how we treat people in our lives or how open-minded we are to other people's life choices, like those things seem like the consequences are way more dire. Yeah, and that does get tricky. And so I don't know that open-mindedness could ever be a bad thing. And and I hear you coming somewhat from that angle, like if being open-minded. But I'm trying to wonder because, and, and this is where a lot of it comes down to with my frustration and why this topic came up. I struggle when I view another group as having a belief system even if that's not what they're saying i kind of feel like i'm reading between the lines and hearing something else and then i struggle to even be open to that idea at all because that whole concept now really just seems like something really negative negative. and so okay let's put us back in civil war times because the state of the political world this is how it's being framed i'm not saying that's right or wrong i don't know that that's what this political framing is really about but let's just go back there and see what we think, right? If you're in the North of America and your side is saying we're going to fight to free slaves, should we be open-minded to the idea that there's people who don't believe that? Like, is that healthy to be open to that concept? <laughs> right. <laughs> is there a place where we can be healthily open to understand that they do think different but still think it's wrong? Is that possible? Well, and so that's, again, that's similar to what I was thinking as far as, you know, you look in the, the recovery field and we have advocates, we have people that are, you know, protesting or picketing for civil rights and crime reform and, and all those things. And so if I'm too open-minded, does that make me wishy-washy on some of these issues that need people out there fighting for them? I mean, crime reform and the, the way that the drug laws are in this country are a terrible injustice, you know, in my opinion. Right. I understand that people don't necessarily see it that way. So is it open-minded to be like, well, if that's what they think, then that's okay and I don't need to do anything about it? Or do I have to say, no, they are fucking wrong and this shit needs to change? You know, and I think maybe the open-mindedness part, at least from what I'm trying to look at right now, is that I'm able to hear them say they have this other theory about how to take care of it and control it, hmm. right? Okay, I'm open to that. I hear your other theory. But then when it comes down to application, we've been living your other theory, and it's not fucking working. So let's all be open-minded together and try something completely different. Because I'm not saying your theory's wrong. It's not working in practice. Right. Or maybe we need the open-mindedness to look at all the options that are available for dealing with some of this stuff you know, to help pick out the ones that are best. We can look at some of these bad ideas and, you know, maybe acknowledge like, yes, this is an option for dealing with this, but it's probably not the best one or maybe not one that's going to work and give us the results that we want. Right. Versus just telling people that they're wrong and they need to shut up. Nope, you're wrong. You shut <laughs> yeah, up. Right. I don't believe that. <laughs> it's definitely easier just to tell them to shut up and that they're wrong. <laughs> well, so some of the practices that we found increase open-mindedness, and these are few and far between <laughs> and hard to do. So if you are not already open-minded, this is a struggle. This is an mm -hmm. uphill battle for sure, which is probably why a lot of us aren't that open-minded or at least not as open-minded as we really tend to believe we are. 
So the first one was traveling a lot or even better, living for extended periods in foreign cultures. Huh. Like not many people get that opportunity, yeah. especially not many people who don't have finances. And so you're talking about a large selection of distribution of wealth. We're talking about lower socioeconomic status. That is most of people. That's the majority of us. Right. Uh, we don't have the ability to go live in some other country or travel frequently to other countries. But if you have that ability... We have the ability to better revise our viewpoints because we see other people in action living in ways contrary to ours that they consider perfectly normal. And that seemed to work fine. Yeah, well, and we did our traveling when we went around different parts of the country. And we were, I mean, we were mostly in a very, I would say, economically similar environments. Like we were working at different campgrounds. So you had predominantly white people in different parts of the country and even in the different parts of the country amongst white people, predominantly white camping people that have, you know, a similar, typically similar appreciation or at least, you know, desire to be in the outdoors and experience nature. Just the differences of experiences that we had at the campgrounds culturally was fascinating. You know, mm. it was from different parts of the country. You know, we were up north in Massachusetts, a lot of people look at camping, and this is to paraphrase, but that was their excuse to go out and get drunk every weekend. Mm. It's like, I'm going to go to this campground, I'm going to stand around a fire and get drunk. And that right. was what they did. Versus when we were out in Utah, and people were specifically going to that area to go out and explore nature and explore the different campgrounds and things like that. Versus a campground we were at in South Carolina, where a lot of people were there to stay for like more extended periods of time because it was cold up north and they were mm. coming down south to be somewhere warm for the winter. So even amongst white culture, like it was just the differences of experiences of people was interesting. You heard it here first. Nature lovers, alcoholics, and sissies. All, <laughs> all camp. Right. Canadians. <laughs> right. Like the Canadians come down to get warm here in the south. The second thing that assists with open-mindedness is people who read fiction tend to score higher on open-mindedness mm. quizzes. And they think that's because their brains are a little bit better trained to seek out stories that vary differently from their own or from the reality that they've been shown in their world. Mm. And so just another way to think outside of how other people can live differently and it be totally normal to them. Uh, another practice you can do, which I completely hate this concept. I don't understand it at all. It baffles me, honestly. But another one is you can pick a current controversial topic and then get a sheet of paper and split it into two sides. And you can write all the arguments for and against it on both sides of it. And you don't have to agree or believe in any of it. You just sit down and write. You make your two lists. One's in favor. One's against. And the better you do with writing down that, I just feel like I would fucking suck at that. Oh, see, I love to do that. I do that with my wife a lot, you know, when we're trying to talk about ideas or deal with different situations. So from my opinion, it helps to have a better argument for something when you understand where the other people are coming from. Like it's a means to an end. <laughs> right. Well, but that's my issue. I think a lot with the open mindedness and the areas I struggle with it lately, I don't understand the other side of the argument, hmm. like almost at all. And so I think this was probably a good practice that would show me how closed minded I am. I think if I tried to make both sides of the argument, I'd have like 10 things for the side I do believe in. And then I'd have like maybe one or two for the other side. <laughs> right. And that's a good 
way to see, hey, maybe you're not that open-minded. You can't even think of arguments for why people might see it this way or think this way or want it this way. I'm baffled frequently how people can think some of the ways I've I've heard them think. Well, and it's funny. It's definitely hard. I don't tend to follow a lot of even the mainstream, what I'll call the mainstream, which I don't know what the fuck we consider mainstream media anymore. I mean, to me, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, those are all just as mainstream media as any other media. I don't know how they distinguish that they're not. But in any case, I will tend to try to watch both. I'll watch some CNN stuff, and then I'll watch some Fox stuff on similar ideas. Lately, it's been the election results and how they're how each side is viewing this different stuff, and it's hard. Like, I want to yell at the fucking computer when I hear, and I'll just throw it out there, like Tucker Carlson, and like, dude, you are so misrepresenting this information. But I try to just calm down and listen and understand, like, this is— a perception that a lot of people have and he's reaching millions of people yeah. spreading this information whether I think it's wrong or right they're eating it up and it's difficult to sort of try to step back from the emotion of that sometimes but it's helpful yeah and I imagine it's very much the same from the other side people who are seeing you know rioting or, or, or whatever it is that they're up against or not for in the political realm or they're against socialism and to you know for them to hear the arguments that socialism maybe isn't what they think it is or or maybe you know people lean this way or or letting people riot they're probably up in arms about that and right. to understand that they're probably just as frustrated listening to an outside <laughs> right. opinion but i, I really do think that Wolf the, blitzer <laughs> i do think the outside opinion part is where i'm struggling because i just don't feel like either of those two sides have an outside opinion I feel like they're both an inside opinion. And I, I'm open to things outside of the box. I'm tired of the fucking box. Hmm. That's where I'm at. I'm tired of hearing left and right sides of this box. Where where's the other side? Like do, do can we turn the box around? Is there a different is there something on the back? <laughs> yeah, well, and most of the problems are difficult. I mean, if you get it not to get specifically into politics, but in politics a lot of those issues are difficult because there isn't a one size fits all answer to a lot of these fucking really difficult questions. I mean, it's just to get back to like addiction stuff and, and even addiction treatment. And what do we do right now with the opioid epidemic and, Nobody and knows. the drug addiction, you know, epidemic? Well, and the answer is because there isn't a, if we just do this, then that'll fix all the problems. You know, right. we, we, addiction comes from a lot of different places. It stems from a lot of different sources, how people end up as addicts. You know, they come from all different walks of life and so it's almost like a multifaceted approach is what usually will work but that doesn't drive people's emotions to get them to vote so people want to hear what simple cheap easy fix to this problem and in a, in yeah. politics that's not really a thing you know if it was i feel like they would have fixed it by now <laughs> but when you get into you know poverty or criminal justice reform what is the answer what do you do with some of these people that are habitual career criminals because they're drug addicts <laughs> right right you know? no it's not simple solutions and i feel like that's almost a, a good statement about recovery because before this podcast before recent years of, of some eye-opening experiences i looked at recovery as a a one-way type thing not only did you need to do it in NA, because that was the only place that was doing it right, 
you needed to do it exactly like I did it. Mm. Oh, you didn't work out a step working guide? Oh, yeah, that's, that. yeah, sorry. <laughs> right. That sucks for you, right? You're missing the good information. Oh, you, you weren't told to read the It Works Town Why chapter before you worked the step? God, who was your sponsor? What were they doing? And so that's such a narrow-minded, like you had to do it just like me, which is not the way that people in my area did it, much less people outside of my area or around the world. And then to really be exposed lately to there's no one size fits all recovery, right? People are recovering by reading online blogs, by listening to podcasts, by just church. doing therapy, <laughs> church. Like there's a billion different mm-hmm. modes of recovery and nobody, like some work better for some people, some work worse for some people, but they're all, we can kind of smorgasbord and pick and choose and do what's best for us, I guess. Yeah. And I think in politics, we specifically in politics, everybody wants the quick sound bite, one hit fix and that's you know again a lot of these issues immigration like they're so complex and and complicated i think a lot of the open-mindedness comes down to we think we are right the way we got it the way we did it the way somebody gave it to us is right Mm. period and that's it and if you want to be ever baffled by your closed-mindedness for christians at least meet somebody who doesn't celebrate christmas yeah, right. that will blow your fucking mind yeah. instantly. It's like, well, well hold on. You, you don't get a tree and presents? <laughs> right. just, what the fuck do you mean? Right. And we'll turn it into all kinds of how they're wrong. They don't love right. the baby Jesus Un-American. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's a whole lot of fucking people that could give a fuck less about Christmas. Christmas right. is not a thing for them. And I mean, I just I remember my first experience meeting somebody who didn't celebrate it. And I was just like, what? What? <laughs> I, I couldn't get over it. And so I think that's a good example of, bam, instantly, man, I'm I'm not as open-minded as I think. Yeah. This just reminded me, one of the things you talked about earlier about visiting different countries, we can't necessarily visit different countries, but I'll say that online there are so many sources of information, mm. you know, documentaries, articles written, different podcasts on different cultures and struggles and you know issues that countries deal with that really help you know again I don't know that it helped me solve some of the problems but it definitely helped me to get different points of view on some of these issues to realize you know the nuances of the things for example there was uh just as cultural stuff that I can think off the top of my head there was a I think it was on PBS. It was called Five Broken Lenses. It was a guy who was filming from the Palestinian side of the Israel-Palestine conflict. There was, which is just fascinating, you know, stuff. It's a guy just filming the stuff and how the Israelis keep coming and breaking his cameras, catching Mm -hmm. him. and, And it's just, you know, it's a really sort of deep dive into that cultural stuff and then that got me to exploring like another podcast that was hours and hours long it's called Martyr Made it was on the Israel Palestine conflict going way back through the history of stuff and it really gives you an insight into some of these cultures you know and so you can find information about other cultures nowadays especially without having to actually go to them yeah and just you know in reading some of this about open-mindedness it gave some examples of different places where things are are viewed a little differently or different perspectives on the same set of facts or reality Mm -hmm. or truth that we like to look at and if you take for example any war that america has been in we have a way we look at it our news says we have victories and then 
crushing defeats when some of our you know troops are killed and losses but have you ever considered what the other countries media and people and population thinks right, right? like just think about that it's not going to be the same they're not going to be like oh yeah the americans won today like <laughs> right it's very different you know same thing with the idea of like communism versus capitalism and and the the you know or democracy and the cold wars we have with other countries just anytime people there's going to be vastly different views from their population to ours and we only get one side and i think it was summed up best in this example there's two mothers they're 45 years old they're driving their 12 year old sons down the road they both pass a homeless man who's picking up cans to try to recycle them to make some money for, you know, I don't know, food or alcohol. Who knows what he's doing? And the first mother says, you see that guy over there? That's why you got to study hard and get good grades so you don't end up like him. And the second mother says to her son, you see that guy over there? That's why you got to study hard and get good grades so you can help underprivileged people like him. Hmm. And it's like, wow, right? What a, what two different views to have. And they're both I mean, they're both saying the same thing to some extent that you need to study hard and get good grades to succeed in life. But to come from such different places to see the same scene and think two opposite things. And I just think we need to be more open to that. And I definitely need to be more open than that, which is where this entire episode came from. I just want to be more open to whatever it is. I I've struggled lately with some opposing views that I'm not a fan of. And, and I... Maybe I try to justify it by saying their views are a specific thing to me, which I, I can't say that I don't completely think that. Um, but I'm also reminded frequently that like I'm never going to reach them if I just sit back and ignore them and say that they're, you know, and label them. And so I want to work on my open mindedness and I want to better see first how not open minded I can be to realize the need for it. Yeah. And I think for myself it really helps that i tend to be optimistic about human beings in general mm -hmm. i tend to think that most people are at least starting from or coming from or naturally in a good place and that most people that are angry or bitter or racist or those things are either hurt damaged or uneducated mm -hmm. you know and that through you know, compassionate teaching, compassionate conversation through education, through trying to, you know, understand almost like the ACEs thing, trying to understand or overcome some of whatever traumas have driven them to such angry or anti-human being points of view, right. <laughs> you know, that if, if we can bridge that gap, we can get people to, to look at things a little differently, a little more humanely. The other thing is I know a lot of really conservative people that in their general lives, you know, outside of their political views are compassionate, caring, loving people. They just look at the government and its role differently, you know, and that caring compassion needs to come from somewhere else. And it's, it's just a different point of view. And, and some of it's been my own family members that I know outside. If you didn't, if you just looked at their political crap that they post on Facebook or whatever, you think there were these racist, angry, violent people, but then you talk to them or sit down with them and have a conversation and they're caring, nice, compassionate people. <laughs> right. And it's hard in my mind to bridge that gap sometimes, but I just have to try to accept them for who they are. Yeah. 
It's a tough one. So I don't have any more thoughts personally about open-mindedness. I, I think this went well. I, uh, I want to be more open-minded. That's all I know. Yeah. Well, like most, again, spiritual principles take practice. Mm. They aren't a feeling. You know, right. I don't just get to feel open-minded or just be open-minded. Like I have to practice open-mindedness. And I do that by recognizing where areas that I'm weak and what areas I need work in. I'll just pray for open-mindedness and then be presented with times I can practice it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then poof, next month you'll be Mr. Open-Minded. <laughs> yes, I'm going to get the magic stick waved at me. I can't yeah. wait. It'll be so much easier. <laughs> it means when someone's saying some shit that you don't like and you're just counting in your head to 10 trying to calm down before your brain explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. So it's been a great week. Thank you. Uh, please reach out. Let us know your anecdotes about open-mindedness, anything you've done to cultivate it that helps you have more open-mindedness, maybe areas that this podcast episode in particular has helped you to realize that you're not quite as open-minded as you'd like to be and, and what you plan to do about it. As always, feel free to share. Share it with all your closed-minded friends. They'll love to hear this. <laughs> with that, I guess we'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.